I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, it's me, Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Hello. And uh, we are, this is our first show of 2020. Yes. Did I just say that right? I did it right. 2020. 2020. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm trying to get my, my brain wrapped around the idea that we're into a, a new decade, which, uh, you know, I remember when I was young, I used to always, uh, when, when calculators first came out, this is how old I am, right? Mm-hmm. So in the 70s, Everybody didn't have a calculator, but people were, they were beginning to come, uh, become ubiquitous. And I remember trying to figure out how old would I be in the year 2000? And it didn't, you know, I was born in 65, so I'd be 35. Now, I'm, a, I'm about to head to 55. So, um, wow, it's been a long time. This year is, is a big year. I am glad that 2019 is gone because I had a heart attack. <laughs> I had uh, some, you know, crazy stuff happen to me at work and, you know, in my personal life. Yeah. So, that's... I'm kind of happy to see this that that part of the year gone, and, and I don't know what this year uh, uh, portends. However, I'm hoping it has a little more uh, positivity. Than yeah, I, than I'm I focused left. on the I'm focused on the possibility, right? right like right. I uh, uh, I will say my 2020 didn't get off to a great start as I woke up with a migraine headache. Uh, oh man, yeah, but I. Um, I agree. I never, I joke that, you know, at, at our age, I'm 51, that I don't like to see the years click by <laughs> any faster. And they do happen pretty So much I don't quickly. like putting stuff in the rearview mirror, but I will say, like, there were a lot of things that I, I love struggles that I had last year that I, I am grateful for, but I am grateful that I am not in the midst of that struggle at this point and that I'm sort of getting to a better place. And um, I do hope uh, a lot. I, I make some braver decisions. I think courage is going to be my mantra this year. Yeah. Like be be brave in ways that I have not been before, at least not for a long time. Um, I always say it's easier to make changes in your life when you're super miserable than when you're just sort of comfortable. Because you got the motivation then. Yeah. I mean, when you're miserable, you don't want to be miserable anymore. Right, right. When you're just, uh, when you just know things could be better or could be different, um, it's harder to say, well, but. They're not really terrible, so why am I? And I'm really blessed to have a really great life. Yeah, and yeah. So, Me too. Yeah, so that, but I, I agree. And one thing that I'm looking most forward to is that this is an election year, and I do think I was sort of dreading this 2020 election season um, because I felt like 2016 was um, so toxic and so... Um, In the intervening years. 
Well, but really that year. So when when that, when all the Republicans were running and and it was really between Bernie and Hillary, um, all of that. Uh, I, I think I was just very naive throughout 2016 about what political campaigns were about and how, you know what I mean? I just kind of paid attention to like the ads or I might read articles or I might look up on somebody's website what they thought on certain issues that I care about. But I, I guess I didn't really, um, I didn't see politics the way um, I have come to see politics you know, I've always believed politics is is a, a necessary evil, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the way we solve societal problems. Group, it's our group, it's our group uh, effort. You know, um, to make things better for the the majority for of the, us, for or? for our communal yes. living, where where our lives intersect with each other. Um, but I I think I've come to view that differently. I think I realized my one of the first books I read after the 2016 election was White uh, Waking Up White, and I think that I really realized how privileged I was to just see elections as this thing that I could or could not, I could, I could ignore, I could mm-hmm. participate in, or they're just super optional. Um, and they weren't like, you know, they weren't super impactful to my life. Yeah. I don't like, don't ask, don't tell, but it doesn't impact me or, you know <laughs> what I mean? So I think that, um, after 2016, I had family members and friends who, um, who were impacted by changes, um, I my own family was impacted by the, the what I consider an all out war on the Affordable Care Act, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get rid of that. And um, uh, and, you know, I still feel super vulnerable about that. And um, and it's, and also some of the immigration things. But because um, I have family members who are immigrants and family members who are. They're not immigrants, but they're brown skinned, and so people assume that. I have plenty of brown skinned uh, yeah. relatives. Yeah. So, and they, but they, yeah. So, I think I just had a shift about how important things are, mm-hmm. and really that this idea that, uh, but it's okay, we can still be friends and agree. Um, so, you kind of uh, turned a corner on that? You don't, I, you don't necessarily uh, buy into that anymore? No, I don't think they're just for fun, and we can just. I, I think we can agree to disagree on a lot of things. I, I think I've been persuaded to James Baldwin's point of view is we can agree. We can disagree about uh, political matters or policy matters all you want. But when your politics tries to take away my rights and especially my right to exist, right. then I feel like I have to take issue with it. And while I don't feel directly threatened by a lot of the policies that are being um, advocated by the current administration, I feel like I have to um, stand up for those people and be a voice for those people who don't have the ability to do that at this point. So I do think there's a, I mean, I, I, I just read yesterday that they're taking sexual orientation out of um, some of the federal job protections. Oh, wow. um, that's going to be pretty wording. So, um, uh, you know, I, I just think that. I've come to view it as James Baldwin did. Like, yeah, we can disagree about how to pay for roads or whether or not we should raise taxes on this or that. But we're talking about can I eat, right? Or can I be in a public space? Can I use a public restroom? Um, can I have the same rights as you? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's where we, that, and that, to me, that's kind of where the, the rubber meets the road, right? We are all supposed to be equal, period. Mm-hmm. But somehow we are still uh, taking these baby steps to make it so that. Because there are differences in the way uh, we perceive people that we didn't recognize before. We, we're just now learning to understand them. And we are still asking ourselves, how, how can we discriminate? How, do we, how can we 
continue to discriminate as we have done before because somehow there, there, there's not enough pie for all of us. And if I give you something, I have to lose something. When in truth, it's, it, this is not a zero-sum game and we all can have everything. It's, it doesn't have to be either or. It, this is an and. No. This is absolutely an and situation. No, giving uh, you know same-sex couples the ability to get married. like Doesn't take away your like, right to get married. Do, doesn't, it doesn't infringe on anything you do or say. Or, it makes, it, your life will be just the yeah, same. Yeah, and in fact, I I would argue it it makes us all a more responsible society. <laughs> like, I think everyone should be, hey, yeah, I'll take responsibility that's for right. these people, right? That's a Those are helpful things. Um, but yeah, so I think that's probably the biggest change for me, especially the last year. And I noticed lots of my friends who are like, Hey, let's not get too serious about politics. Let's not make it a big deal or whatever. And I, <laughs> and I think, well, but you know, if you were the one who are, if you had Being family members right. who were in, you know, in a detention center or you had obscenities screamed at you, or you were one of these Jewish people who went to a synagogue where there was an act of violence, you know, I mean, if, if these political issues were hitting you where you live, you might not like just think, hey, let's be all so play nice. About it. That's right. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, I understand this idea of trying to be nice, but like at some point we have to say, you, we can't be nice about this. What you're doing is you're denying these people a right to exist. When we come back, we're going to continue uh, on what, what are we looking forward to in 2020? You're listening to Voices of Reason. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. And uh, we're in the first episode of the, uh, of the new year of 2020. And I, what I wanted to talk about a little bit was, um, you know, in 2016, because this is going to be a pretty political show, as if you haven't known this before, if you've listened to the show at all, that um, I remember when it was the first time to me that I could recall that a person who had never won political office had won a national office and, and certainly uh, had been president. And, you know, there was this kind of overwhelming sense of what just happened. You know, I, I was kind of uh, sideswiped by it, you know, so it, there's this sense of, wow, this is, I, I'm, I can't believe this is happening. But now, you know, in the year since, and it, you, you kind of come to your senses and recognize, okay, this is happening. And so it made me take a new perspective of my country because it then showed me that there are a lot of people who have the belief that uh, anyone can be president, and anyone sh- 
can run for public office, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is true, not only uh, hypothetically, but uh, in theory and in practice. That is true. However, that does not make everybody as qualified. And so as I've watched, I recognize that, uh, you know, a person who uh, embodies some of the, the, the values of about half the country, honestly, uh, is, is, is leading us. I still find that uh, what I've found is that people I know, people I have been, uh, you know, I don't know, friends with, but at the very least, very, very well acquainted with, they have some of these views that I feel are a lot more divergent for me than I, than I had known before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for instance, you know, uh, when, when we, now gay marriage is a thing. It wasn't always a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are now trying to find out about uh, rights for people who are uh, transgender. Mm-hmm. There are all, certainly uh, rights for people who are trying to immigrate here and, and how we should uh, deal with that situation. And Congress has still not done that. And, and then locally, we have in our own community how we deal with homelessness uh, in, in Salt Lake because we've kind of blown up the way it used to be. And we're trying to uh, initiate policies and practices and, and uh, you know, places where people can go to get resources in a different way than we had done before. Mm-hmm. And we're hopefully going to be more helpful to them uh, and, and in doing so provide better uh, opportunity for them to better their lives and hopefully better all of our communities. However, in getting there, we saw some real, what I consider to be some pretty bad behavior. We, we found out that people don't care as much about, you know, they, a lot of more uh, not in my backyard uh, when it came to actually, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to help. Yeah. Because when they, when they tried to put those homeless shelters in various communities, it, people got up in arms like, no, this is not going to happen. No, we don't want it out here. We only want it in these other little places. And they're still to some degree feeling that way, like this is not our problem, right? We, right. Want, we don't want to see this problem. We know it exists and we want to show up on a holiday and serve meals and put it on our Instagram account. But we don't want to have those people in our neighborhoods and worry about how do you solve this problem long term? What kind of services do they need? And are we willing to pay for those services? Right. And and are we willing to, you know, put our uh, not only just our money, because for the most part, that's what we're going to be doing. But but our belief in the the notion that everybody deserves to be treated fairly and with dignity and respect. And I am going to be a conduit to see that that happens. But if you say not in my backyard, then it's exactly the opposite of what you are espousing is that, uh, you know, ideally is to help everyone and help everybody have an opportunity to live uh, a decent and fruitful life. And I've, I've seen too much of that from, uh, you know, from people I thought and I recognize, you know, people are conservative at heart in a lot of ways. And then you see it more so when they feel like it might impact them, even though, in all honesty, a lot of things that we do in our lives, the the policies don't necessarily impact us at all because we live where we live and it's not going to happen next door to us necessarily. And so our lives will go about as as they always have. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't. So I think the thing I learned in 2016, two things. Number one, I learned that I did not listen very well, which I've yep. said on the show before. And number two, I, there were a lot more like the tentacles of race and racial strife that I thought were pretty much dead and buried in my childhood at least at the, at the latest, um, were, they still existed. And I'll never forget watching Saturday night live the weekend after the election. And Dave Chappelle was on there oh, wow, yeah. talking about, um, you know that they weren't surprised the black people were not surprised that trump was mm-hmm. elected because 
a lot of white people and some of these white people were me and my friends and some of my family members. Some of my family members voted for Trump. Um, but, you know, like there was this like it was either I voted for him or it was I'm shocked he got elected. And it wasn't just because he didn't have any experience, because I think a lot of us looked at I looked at Barack Obama as a guy with not enough experience to be president. Hmm. Um, I didn't support him when he was in the primary because I didn't think he had enough experience, right? So I voted for Hillary, but I voted for him for president um, uh, because I, in truth, because I didn't want Sarah Palin to be anywhere near the White House, but um, even though I love John McCain. But I I think the thing I learned from that experience was that um, we still have a lot of racial issues that we were not dealing with and that as a white person um, who's most of my friends are white, most of my family, immediate family is white, that I was just unaware of their pain. I was unaware these things were mm-hmm. happening. And social media has not allowed me to stay in my bubble. And I don't love social media. There's a lot of stuff I think it's terrible about. But I will say one really great thing is everybody's a reporter. Everybody has a way to get a story to go national now. And... um it just over and over, I you can't deny the numbers, right? And you see these experiences and then you look them up and you read them and you talk to people that you know. And I just and I just remember I one of them was the very first videos I watched was a Hispanic family. And I remember talking to a cousin of mine and she said, yeah, this is my life. Like I get yelled at if in the line if I'm too slow to go back to Mexico. Mm-hmm. She's not from Mexico, but she does have <laughs> yeah. a thick accent, you know. And so I just thought I didn't know this was happening. And I felt like after I got over being ashamed of that, I thought, OK, now go about, you know, how do you do something to now change do a better it? job listening? Why are some people afraid of race and why are um, why are people of color afraid to engage with you about race? Why are your friends of color not letting you know that that's what they're dealing with? And that, and that was a hard few months of conversation for myself. But think, it was really helpful. I think part of that is that you don't feel like people would under Like, as a black person, I know that it's, it's difficult to, for a white person to, uh, to empathize with me. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have to live my life. Just like, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. Yeah. And, and I can uh, imagine But here's the difference between, on the color scale, the difference is that I, as a white woman, will assume that I can make you understand. No. But you won't do that to me. You never do that to well, me. Well, how could you? You no, don't have to live that life every day, though. But I just, I think that's when you are the person, we've been telling the stories, we've been writing the history books, we've mm. been in charge of the country, we run every, uh, listen, white men run everything. They do. And so when you're in charge of everything from history books to movies to TV shows to music to you name it, right? right? Um, Then, of course, you assume you can make people understand your perspective. Well, when we come back, uh, we want to continue and and see what do we we hope to see that may change this year that that, uh, has not uh, changed up until now. You're listening to Voices of Reason. of Reason. I'm Jason Lee along with Amy Donaldson and uh, we're, we're asking what's going to be different in 2020 than we'd seen in uh, the past year and the past few years. Few years, Because yeah. we started uh, this show in t- 
first of all, this is going to be our fourth year. We started this show right after the election in 2016. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're kind of approaching uh, this. This is going to be a fun year for us because what caused us to do the show is coming up again, the presidential election. Yeah, and it was just the toxicity of that race. Right. So it was even the the Republican primary was super toxic and really um, nasty. Just among themselves, right? Yeah, right, right. yeah. Just every and I just remember thinking, like, where when did this happen? How did we get here? And it's one of those things where you're just like, wait, wait, my family is this dysfunctional? <laughs> right. That that's how I felt. Like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? And that's where I say I didn't listen. Because there were people in my family who were expressing those things before that, which I then realized later. But I just kept thinking, oh, that's a minority opinion or that's not important or we'll, I'll just send them an article and they'll be better, right? And there, I think there was a real fear. Um, and, I, and I remember one conversation in particular where um, this white member of my family was saying, like, I'm tired of being blamed for everything. Like, we... Like every bad thing that happens, every it's always white men, this white men, that one, you know. And I said, but you are, but you run everything. Yeah, you're the so cl- yeah. like, how can I not? You can't like, get somewhat, all, You can't take the, like uh, I'm not blaming uh, you personally, but I'm just saying, you know. But you I can't think, take the credit for everything and not take the blame for some of the stuff. Yeah, too. but I think w- the, my problem was that I didn't understand the depth of that fear and resentment, mm. right? And now I do, and now I get it. And, and in a way that I didn't in 2016. So I think our hope really with this program was to say, can we have tough conversations and get find some solutions and find some interesting, you know, paths forward? In a lot of ways, I've come to believe that it is not possible. Um, in some ways, right. There, there's, there's, there are points where you would never find common ground. No, not, not only would you not find common ground where I think you have to be openly, uh, you know, not hostile, but you have to adversarial. Absolutely. Where you saying like, you know, transgender people can't use public restrooms. Right. I will say we will have to go yeah. to war on that. Yeah. Like, like, like uh, we will debate that. We will never agree on it. We will not. I will never agree to disagree about right, that. Right. right? That is their right they, to be in <laughs> right. a public space and they need to be able to use a restroom. Somebody's got to be wrong on that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Or somebody, do we just have to find a solution yeah. that acknowledges them and, and their a right to be in that public no space? No more urinals. Everybody's going to have to go into a stall now. Yeah, or you just have lots of gender neutral bathrooms, there you go. Right? right? Which I have always been in favor of because let me just say as a Close runner, every bathroom is gender neutral to me. <laughs> They're all gross. They're all porta potties. And, I, you know, I mean, I just, it's so funny to me when you have that experience where you're in a marathon there's no girls and boys it is what it is and there's a urinal and a potty in every single porta potty i'm thinking to myself we've solved this in some areas of our life why are we having so much honestly why do we have bathrooms no they should be just gender neutral yeah yeah and and you know i'll go to basketball games where there's no one in the women's line but the men are in line versus uh going to a concert where the women are in a 10,000 foot line and the guys and, are walking in and, and out. there's no no men you know nothing in the men's room so anyway that just i just think that um in some ways i've realized that civility is code for you know just be nice mm-hmm. and stay in your place and mm-hmm. in some ways civility is always the thing that I am aiming for. Like don't like when I want to stop talking to people and give up and go back into my own corner, I keep telling myself that's your privilege talking. You 
do that because you can. Right. There are people fighting for their, their lives. lives. And you have to stay in the fight with them. And so, like, I, I've come to realize, too, you know, when, when you do have something, when, when it is your life we're talking about, because when, when we talk about rights and mm-hmm. accessibility, it is not just people having to, to navigate this from time to time. It's their everyday existence. Mm-hmm. And so what part of what I believe what we, what we try to do here on this show is not only be civil with people, but try to uh, open yourself to other people's humanity and, and the mm-hmm. way they walk through life. It doesn't have to be your way of walking through life. That's just, right. Just, just have some it, honor it, and say, you know what? I see you, and even though it and may I not believe be the, you, and I, it and may I not be the way that, yeah. that I go through life, yeah. but it's certainly I, I want you to be able to go through life in a way that uh, offers you the best opportunity to have, you know, to pursue happiness as we would. One of the things I I told you I listened to this old interview with Toni Morrison a bit today, and uh, she was talking about her mom based her opinion on people on her and she and the word the way she phrased it was based on her perception after having some interaction with mm-hmm. them and at first i thought wonder why she said perception because um it would be you know i would base my opinion on you based on our relationship our interaction sure. right and then i realized that that's no accident first of all she's tony morrison there is no accident when it comes to words for her but secondly it isn't an accident because perception is all we have and so if I, as a woman, feel like I don't get the opportunities that my male colleagues get, that is my reality. And you can argue with me and you can show me statistics and you can put me down or ignore me or whatever you want. But at the end of the day, if you care about me, then you will listen to me or try to understand me and you will respect that that is my perception. What is causing that? What is causing that to happen? Here's another thing that I think we should that we don't talk about enough at all is like criminal justice reform. So criminal justice reform is something that people toss around, do this, do that, change this, change that, like one thing. Like one thing is going to make a difference, right? Uh, Getting rid of cash bail, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But when you're looking at if you are a person who is three to four times more likely to be incarcerated for something that most people don't get, most white people don't get incarcerated for. I mean, the standard is just white. Let's just be honest, okay? So uh, then criminal justice reform takes on a whole new you know, um, level of importance and, and you, it's no longer just this thing about like, Hey, you know what we should do? We should sit around. What's you can have some things you want. I'll take some things I want, blah, blah, blah. I feel this way about insurance. It's no longer a game. Like people are dying because they cannot literally get people medical are dying. care. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And so it's not a joke anymore. It's not. And, and the fact that the, you know, in doing a little studying in the last couple of years, the reason that when Harry Truman suggested we have universal health care, the reason it didn't work out was because they didn't want to give it to black people. You need to understand that. That's that's a reality of our country. And maybe we would have been in a different place if we would have had universal health care starting in the 50s. Right. Because right. Then but we, we wouldn't be having this discussion now. That's right. Yes, we didn't. So uh, this is our uh, third time. We're going to come back. The last one I want to talk about, what, what I'm hoping for. Predictions. That's right. Predictions coming in. Uh, to, but, so well, this time next year. Predictions slash right. wishes, that's right? That's right, yeah. yeah. At least, I like wishes. I like that. <laughs> You're listening to Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. And uh, this is, uh, in our final segment, I want to ask 
uh, Amy, and then I'm going to kind of offer my own. What, predictions, wishes for 2024, prosperous, what I hope to be a prosperous uh, 2020. Uh, my first thing I'm going to do, so we always talk about politics, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping, first of all, I found out today that my state of Illinois, my home state, uh, my native state of Illinois, uh, today was the first day of, well, yesterday was the first day of legal weed, uh, recreational yeah. and medicinal. I think I may be making a, a visit home sooner than normal. Uh, <laughs> that would be kind of cool. So uh, if, if Illinois can do that, uh, I don't know if Utah's maybe a little bit further behind, but uh, I know Nevada's going to make it a little easier. Yeah, they're going to have medicinal. But I, so I, for me, what I hope in 2020 is that we just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That if somebody says to you, hey, this is my experience and this is my problem and I would like the public to ca- – I would like us to solve this problem. Maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, should marijuana be available for medicinal? Forever. That's right. Should it – maybe it's, um, you know, should we accept more refugees? Maybe it's um, – is there a racial or gender component in uh, educational testing? I just want us to be – like it's so often that I'll say – what about, you know, let's let's look at this story or let's look at that story. And it just makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And and I think we've gotten to this point where we're so comfortable in this universe that we live right now, right? That we, um, unless it's directly affecting you, you, you think, I just need a break. I want to. I want to stay comfortable and mm-hmm. I want us to just stay uncomfortable and, and just be just embrace that. So if, if we if we can do that, I think mm-hmm. what, uh, what, particularly as I see it, then we, we we take chances that we might uh, might not otherwise take. We try to uh, at least examine mm-hmm. things that we might other, not otherwise examine in a different way yeah. so that maybe we can see. Okay, this is what I thought could, uh, we could go, for instance, with universal health care. Maybe there is some way that it can be beneficial to all of us. Yeah. If, if you are willing to step out of that comfort zone, uh, whether it's political, whether it's a, a social policy, or just personally in and your I own have, life. I have a practical way to do it. Here's my suggestion, my wish, my hope, my resolution for all of us. I'm going to do this myself, and I hope that you will all take me up on it. And I would invite you to email me at voramed at gmail.com if you um, if you do it. And that is to um, put yourself in the minority. Go to something where you are not, like you're not with your people. Right. You're not, you're in, uh, you know, uh, if you're a white person, you're in, uh, you go to a quinceanera. <laughs> you go to a black church. You go to a... And don't just go once. No, don't I'm do saying do this repeatedly. Do this over and over. Right, right, right. And do it in something you care about. So, like, I went to the screening of a movie, uh, The Rape of Reese Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. I was in the minority uh, in that in crowd, film, yes. right? And I wanted to have conversations. And I did. And what I found, and everybody who knows me knows I'm super opinionated, so I'm not, like, shy about sharing it. But I had a woman say something to me that caused me to think differently, right? About just my perspective and about... What am I making room for people who already feel crowded out of the conversation? Right. And that it was a really fun, interesting self growth moment. Right. So I just say if you and if you don't know how to do it, like also email me and I'll help I was you. Say, email me yeah. at uh, Jason L at, uh, <laughs> at gmail.com. That's right. Because I, I find it VR to be. Yeah. There's ways. 
um, to put yourself in, in, I know people of color are like laughing because this is where they live, but I'm just saying, make yourself uncomfortable. If you're, if you're a Democrat, you're probably uncomfortable all the time because you go to, everybody in your neighborhood is Republican, but do it religiously. Do it, you know, I love being in a group where I'm the only person not of that faith, right? right? And talking to them about faith and about God and what I believe in spiritual growth, those kinds of things. Um, you know, there's so many ways to do it. Just um, go to a, a... If you're an older person, go to a place where you're around a lot of young people. Yeah. Try, try to get some perspective from them. Or if, vice versa. Or vice versa. If you're if, a if, college if, student, go hang out with veterans, old veterans. Absolutely. Come play bingo with Team Red, White, and Blue at the Veterans Association. We do that once a month. Learn something about people in a way that is profound to you that you can take with you through your, the rest of your journey in your life. And and learn it through experience. Don't go to your one black friend That's and right. say, hey, tell me why this is offensive, <laughs> right? Instead, read some books. I would also recommend Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Okay. Um, um, because I do think that's been kind of the missing link for me. I think that's what I... The first uh, couple years of this program, like I was super heavy on the political stuff, and lately I've been much more into my what I enjoy, which is the art side. That I've been rereading Toni Morrison, and and um, and I did read Ta-Nehisi Coates' latest book, but it just made me. It reminded me that sometimes the best teacher, just like I think the racial um, progress in this country was helped by sports. Um, in but, some ways, yeah, but I think that's. Sometimes we need a reason and, a, and some help bridging those uh, divides between us. I know for me, I, uh, it, the, the difficulty in learning different things, because I'm a minority all the time, right? So yep. in, in, in Utah and a lot of places, I'm particularly a minority. However, what I find is that when I can go and talk to people that I don't speak with very often and have a, a, mm-hmm. you know, a meaningful conversation with them. This past year, uh, David Gibbon, he's a guy I, uh, I work out with on occasion, or I see at the gym, I should say. And he and I, we are as uh, diametrically opposed politically as, as, as two people could be, even though our uh, relatives are uh, from the same st- – uh, my mom and his folks are from Mississippi, and that's kind of how we got to ch- uh, chatting about different things. But, you know, we learn to speak to each other – and uh, appreciate what each other had to say, despite the fact that we, uh, you know, we're very different. I want to meet more people like that. Yeah. Because I am enriched by that kind of discussion. It, and hopefully they learn something from me. Does it necessarily make you change? Hope, yeah. Actually, it does. Because so you might not become them right. or what they want you to be, but it changes you. It makes you a better version of yourself. Absolutely. It makes you think. It makes you wonder, why did I think that? Why right. did I come up with that? And why, why have do I, I been feel like this for way? so long? That's yeah. right. And, and is that what I want to keep going? Is that what, I thought that about t- uh, when we had uh, uh, Burgess Owens in Yes. Um, to talk about politics. Like He challenged us on a few things. Absolutely. And we challenged him on a few things. But I left there thinking like, you know what, Amy? You need to poke a little. That's right. At yourself, and and I, I love that conversation, and I think those conversations. And he loved that conversation, by the way. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, that's what we need to do more of. And I would say um, that it, as long as you, the tip I would give you on these is that I've learned is don't go into them thinking you're going to persuade someone. Because if you're like me and you grew up arguing with people, your goal never goes is, anywhere. Your goal is to persuade people. Don't do that. Go in. Hoping to understand where they're coming from. Only ask questions of understanding. Don't ask them, well, why would you vote for this person because Just of this or that? Or what about when they said that? Whatever. Just say, okay, explain to me and then and accept their perception and their reality. And then you can offer yours, but you don't need to. It's not 
you know, I have to persuade you. You and I disagree about certain things. Right. We but, don't. But we have never to learn sat to, around. And, we we yeah. have to learn to listen. Yeah. So join us again on the next episode of the Voices of Reason, the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at vormed at gmail or at vrrjasonl at gmail. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find interesting content. Be sure to uh, review our show as well. We'd love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.